and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my super domestique, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what super domestique means. I'm <laughs> so the... Uh, I'm gonna. We're not even gonna get into the show, and I'm already gonna derail us. So the Tour de France started this week. Ah, okay. And on a pro cycling team, there are usually eight riders on a team. You know, we always hear about the one guy who wins the race, but it's a. It really is a team sport. You've usually got your one guy who's your GC rider. He's going for the overall win. And then you've usually got some sprinters and and a couple of other guys. And then you've got what are called the domestiques. They're the helpers. Their only job is to ride in front of the main guy to block the wind so that he can save energy throughout the stage. Um, They also will go out of the back of the peloton to the team car, pick up water bottles and food and stuff for people, and then go all the way back up and deliver it so that these guys don't have to break stride and they can think. So a super, super domestique is the guy that keeps the team running on the road. Well, I'm flattered that you think I'm that helpful, though. I don't really see it. <laughs> well, well, considering you out-contented me about six to one this week. Oh, well, it's, it's, all, it's all there. You'd have found it eventually. It's true. Well, I did. It's funny. I had looked a little bit earlier and had found a couple of things, and then I go to Adam to the show. Nope, he's already got that one. No, nope, he's already got that one. No, nope, he's already got that one. <laughs> Got to be, got to be in a hurry, you know. I've, I, so after we light our cigar, because I'm ready to light my cigar, Me it's too. been a long day, and I hope our cigar is rewarding. I had the weirdest cigar request ever today. Okay. And I'd like to think I rose to the equation. Uh, rose to the equation. Rose to the equation. Rose to the occasion, but I'll have to get your professional opinion and get a ruling. So, oh. what are we smoking? All right. So, I'm I'm actually excited about this. This is a new release from Crown Heads. Now, we haven't smoked Crown Heads on the show in a while. I did have that um, Tennessee Waltz, but that wasn't any or the the Yellow Rose Texas. You also have the new Lost Calaveras. Yeah, but that was a while ago. It feels like um, we haven't done a, a true new release from them in a while, and so this is the new Four Kicks Capa Especial. So apparently, when Crown Heads first came into being, uh, the Four Kicks was going to be the, was the first cigar they blended, and they came came out with three test blends. Uh, two of them were Habano wrappers. One of them was Sumatra. Huber and Condor both liked the Habano wrappers, and that's what it eventually became the Four Kicks. EP Carrillo, whose factory produced it, actually preferred the Sumatra. And they said, <laughs> what do you know? Well, yeah. here it is however many years later, and this is th- that cigar. This is the Sumatra-wrapped uh, original four-kick splint, or one of the original three four-kick splints. has fillers from the Dominican and Nicaragua, and it's got a Nicaraguan binder underneath that Sumatra wrapper. So I just lit mine up while you were talking about that. It smells that. fantastic. Um, I like the Sumatra. The Sumatra is a good Sumatra. And our Sumatra has range. It does. Some Sumatra, and I don't know if it's that the plant has range so much as it's just more sensitive to age, that the aging techniques. um, I think it's also a bit like a soprano. You never just want to hear a soprano sing by herself. Right. But if you put the right people and instruments around her, it it can be quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think there's a big part of that. And I'll, um, but... It does, on the initial light, it does taste pretty good. It is pretty tasty. I'm going to be interested as I go through, because I'm really trying, Crowned Heads, to like your stuff. But 
you have to show me something. I still haven't got around to smoking the new um, Las Calaveras for this year yet. Maybe after do I it. smoke this. Don't do it. I'll f- you don't think so? No, just skip it. It was awful. And uh, Well, you said it was awful, but I've had a couple of other guys say it was good. But I do tend to trust your opinion over there. You and I tend to, just like I said on the show where I smoked it, if Austin likes it, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Typically, if I hate it, you hate it. And if I like it, you like it. Yeah, there's very few cigars that I like that you hate. So I had a customer in my office today. I have to tell this story. Had a customer in my office today, and he's seen my lamp made of cigar boxes. And he's my, he's, he's my customer. He's also my gun guy. Um, I was drawing a house for him that I traded for a gun. and he Oh, rep- I thought he rode in the back of the truck on the oh, 50 no, that, cal. That, that's the gunner. Oh. This is the gun guy. Oh, he <laughs> provides the 50 cal. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's ESC20A instead of ESC20B. Okay. Closely related. But um, he repaired my gun, and you know we'd, we basically just swapped out. This was a, tr- a true barter system. I bartered a gun and some gun work for a house plan. And um, he said, well, I used to smoke cigars. He said, you know, and I keep a cigar in my toolbox, in the very top of my toolbox, so that when the zombie apocalypse comes and I grab my, my go bag with my FNL 556, you know, 230-round clips, and I'm out there. He said, I am going to light up a cigar at that moment. <laughs> he said, and my, that cigar got destroyed. He said, you know, somebody threw something in his toolbox and broke that cigar. He said, what would you recommend? A zombie antidote? (laughs) I put the Kentucky fire cured in his hand. Oh, that's a good one. I think nothing, nothing goes with blowing away zombies. Like the Kentucky fire cured. Ironic state should hire me to rep this. Ironically, I was actually going to say the Myuzi weighs a ton. The original Myuzi weighs a ton. That's not a bad one. Because especially because, you know, you get the six by 60 and your total B.A. Barabbas just. Well, and what you do is you shoot enough zombies that the rifle barrel actually gets hot enough. You to can light, light it your on. cigar. That, that'd just be totally great. It, speaking of which, it is. I'm saying this on the air so that we're held accountable this year. It's starting to cool off around here. We've got a couple of weeks before it gets really nice and cool out here. We've got to light the cigar with the juggling torches. That has yes. to happen this year. Yeah, as soon as it gets cool enough that I won't burst into flames while trying to do it. All right. And I, I wonder how many eyebrows I'm going to lose in this process. <laughs> but we'll stay tuned to YouTube for more. <laughs> and, uh, all right, first article tonight. Cigars International Superstore, now open in Northeast Fort Worth. Um, so the store is at Cabela Drive, Fort Worth, near Cabela's Outdoors. Who would have thought that? Um, over a thousand cigar brands. Okay, first and foremost, if you're gonna write one of these articles, give need, me some information. Well, I need to know the square foot of the building. Yeah, that was exact. That was the most glaring omission that I found as well. So the term superstore, and of course they got a great picture of the outside of the superstore, and it looks like a large building. Yeah, and I'll but they don't have any square footage anywhere in this freaking article. You think in twelve thousand? And I'll um yeah gotta be gotta be ten to twelve. Ten to twelve, gotta be in the in there. But I don't think the cigar superstore is a great idea. I don't think cigars lend themselves to the superstore because isn't a cigar a, an experience? You know, in a dimly lit room surrounded by friends. It can be. 
But it doesn't have to be. You know, we talked on last week's show about golfing and fishing and, and sometimes, you know, and I've talked before about the fact that I keep a regular supply of budget bundles in my humidor for when the cigar is not the experience, when it's all about, you know, accentuating an experience rather than carrying the, the event on its own. Here's, I don't think this is altogether bad. Now, the fact that it's CI doing it is one of those things that makes it kind of, you know. But here, here's my thought. You know, the reason that brick-and-mortar retailers hate online sales is because of price. And the reason that they can get those prices is because they buy in such volume. So, if you're able to buy in that same amount of volume, but now you have a, a stake in the lifeblood of the industry, which is the brick-and-mortar retail space, then does it does it even the playing field? Again, this is one of the largest online retailers, too, so it doesn't necessarily play in this case. But go with me here. If you and I were to open up a cigar shop tomorrow and we, go, we find some bombed-out warehouse in downtown Nashville that's 12,000 square feet and we've got the funds to fill it up and we can create a scenario where we've got pretty close to online prices, but we can offer a full bar, we can offer a you know a lounge experience in addition to better than better selection than anybody else in town and better prices than anybody else in town. We'd we'd run the market. Yes, and, and we would be able to better advocate for things that benefit the brick and mortar retailers, which would make the industry as a whole stronger. Yes, but, yeah, but, these, I still, if I had that kind of money, would much rather have three small lounges at 4,000 square foot each than one 12,000 square foot deal because part of the fun is the smaller environment. The cigar, because, okay, so you go to, this isn't like going to Sam's Club and all, unless you've got the black card with no limit. You're not going to go in there and buy everything you want. You're going to see a bunch of stuff you don't want. Yeah. Part of the fun, and really they should do this, they should have a smoke around the world program in these cigar lounges where, okay, you smoke this cigar, you smoke this cigar, and kind of takes you around the humidor. One of the shop I was a regular at in uh, Dallas uh, had a program like that. They curated their humidor, and basically you kept track of what you smoked, and they ran it through their you know, right. POS system, and you eventually, they would make a fake cover of Cigar Aficionado magazine, and so it displayed prominently in the shop once you completed See, it. See, brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant marketing. People spend money in your store. There's a benefit to it. There's a, you know, you've got a talking point. You bring your friends. Hey, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You know, you got a date. You walk by and yeah. say, hey, that looks just like you. Oh, yeah, that was, that that was, was me. July. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Mr. September. Yeah. <laughs> you, you should have seen the centerfold. It was awesome. I was holding a 770 and a cigar. So anyway, but the, the superstore just to me does not feel cigar. I think a cigar is a smaller, more contained experience. Now, that being said, you have to have enough cognizance of your customers to know the amount of space you need. Well, and if you think about where this is located... This is in an area of Fort Worth 
like you said, near Cabela's. It's it's near an area where um, I think there's either a Costco or a Sam's in the area. There's a it it's it lends. It's also a fairly affluent area, so you know it probably does fit the consumer out there. These are people that don't just happen to be in the area and want a cigar. These are people that are in that area and probably making special trips. Well, now. On to somebody that is doing it right. Casa de Monte Cristo, Nashville, nearly doubles in size from Halfwill. And we've we've known this was coming for a while. Um, and, and I have been, I, we got a chance to tour the space when they were still just in the early stages of designing it. Had e- hadn't even started the build out yet. And, you know, I've got to say, I'm really impressed with what they've done, what their plans were. And... Uh, yeah, I think it makes sense that that shop has some of the best nightlife from a cigar perspective in all of Nashville, uh, you know, and oftentimes you walk in there past six o'clock. Good luck finding a seat. Yeah. So it's there's so much diversity in the in Nashville. Let's just go ahead and say up front, Nashville is hopping. There's so much diversity. We have Indian. We have Korean. We have all manners of race. We have all manners of people. And the cigar is such a uniting experience. Everybody hangs out together. And nowhere more so than Casa. But sometimes you want to enjoy your cigar with a book and quiet reflection. And the other guy has just as much right to tell loud, dirty jokes and enjoy his cigar his way. And and it, it's that exact experience, that exact point, that is why there are so many cigar shops in any given major city. Right. You know, because you come here, there are sports on the TV, there are big open seating areas, there's a bar. Meanwhile, you go up the road to, you know, Smoker's Abbey, for example, and it's much more pockets it's it's much quieter. You know, there's there are fewer TVs. There is there is a, an, a room that they call the sanctuary that's sort of dedicated to quiet enjoyment of your cigar. Uh, so you select what you want, um, where you want to go based on what kind of experience you want. It's funny the the, the sanctuary is the last place you told me to go blank myself. <laughs> so anyway, we were actually sitting in there when you said that to me. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's so, on brand. So such is the reference. But so Casa and what Larry and Hutch were explaining to us is, you know, some nights it's a little too loud in there and this section over here is gonna be where people can sit and enjoy their cigar quietly or have a, have a nice conversation. They've got, uh, they even have a conference room that they built into it. Yeah, I think it used to be a music uh, executive office. And this is something that that store desperately needed. Now, if only they could fix the parking, we'd be in business. But that's Nashville for you. Yeah, that's that's the downside of Nashville is you're gonna have you're gonna have to fool with parking. Yeah, and pay pay twenty dollars for the privilege of getting booted. Well, I am excited to run up there and do another show. We'll have to get with Hutch and Larry now that the COVID stuff's finally dying down enough that we won't have to go in in full hazmat gear in order to engage. Um, I think I think this was expansion done right. This was not bigger for the sake of bigger. This was we see a need in our clientele. We know we can better service our clientele by doing this. Let's do it right. Absolutely. No. And and the thing is, you know, they also did something that I was talking to an individual earlier today, uh, specific to the movie and movie theater industry, but it applies here too. And I've said it before. You know. No one wanted to close their doors 
a couple of months ago when all of these stay-at-home orders and things, no business wanted that. And, and, but it provided if you were industrious enough and if you're the kind of person that looks for the silver lining on the clouds, it provided a great opportunity to, to step back and say, you know what? We don't have to have any downtime. We don't have to block off sections of our humor. We can actually go full bore and, and maybe and, and take this opportunity to improve. You know, you know, if you've got broken down furniture, now's a great time to replace it. If you've got maintenance issues that you need to address, now's a perfect time because you don't have to work around um, your clientele or you don't have to pay more for some guy to come in after hours and work through the night. Yeah, the unfortunate part of that was when this all started, we had no idea how long it was going to last. So, okay, do I want to go drop ten grand on furniture, not knowing if this place is going to open back up this well, summer? True, but I mean, there's definitely a cost-benefit analysis that has to be associated with something. But, but for some of these stores that have been open a very long time and had the ability to weather the storm. Uh, and had already budgeted for these types of things, it was a perfect opportunity. And I will tell you, the cigar stores that I've dealt with said they've had record sales the past couple of months. Yeah. That each month it seemed better because people have been just buying a box of cigars and going home. And I don't remember if we talked about it on the air or just you and I, but, uh, you know, cigar consumption is up. Oh, yeah. We talked about it on the air. Yeah. yeah. And also, speaking, since, we're, since we have wandered into COVID territory... From Channel 12 News. You gonna, you know, you yell at me when, when we set a, a roadmap at the top of the show and then I deviate it from me. I'm, I'm going to give you the same admonishment. Hey, hey, you deviated first. You're the one that switched from talking about Nashville to talking about coronavirus. So you you have... No, it doesn't matter. I'm just following... It doesn't matter. We, we had a roadmap. Just because you see a segue doesn't mean you get to take it. Our exit's up here. Hold your horses. So... From Half Wheel, Crown Heads to release the Wabash Cannonball. <laughs> what makes this even better is this is a story that I care about, and you could give two rats behinds about. Um, so, oh, so yeah, so this is a new release from Crown Heads that they just announced yesterday and uh, today. Sorry, it's called the Wabash Cannonball. It's a reference. Both to it's a it's a reference to a roller coaster that used to be here in in Nashville uh, a long time ago before the Super Mall was was erected. There used to be a theme park called Opryland USA, and it was right near the Opry. It was great. I remember going there as a kid, and they closed it down in '96. One of my favorite roller coasters was the Wabash Cannonball. It had a double loop to loop. It was the only one of its kind at the time. That roller coaster takes its name from a famous folk song that was recorded by Woody Guthrie and uh, Johnny Cash and a number of other people. Um, even Chuck Berry. Even Chuck Berry. And, and so, Bing Crosby, of all people. Um, so I love, I love that Crown Heads does a really good job at doing the tie-in. You know, making thing. You know, when they made the cigar for Smokers Abbey, they called it the Sanctuary. When they made the Tennessee Waltz and the Yellow Rose of Texas and the Buck Island, you know, they they do a really good job of tying into regional things. And so, this is actually going to be an exclusive for Casa de Monte Cristo Nashville, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. So, San Andreas wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillers. So the the recipes sound. Yeah. You know, the recipes seem sound. Um, you know, 
it it makes me sad that Opryland shut down at all because I'm a little older than you, so I probably got a little more Opryland experience than you did. Right. Plus, you lived a little closer to it than yeah. I did. Yeah. So the couple of, of more, you know, there were so many things in Opryland that were just wonderful, and then. When they erected Opry Mills Hotel or Opry Mills Mall, where it now sits, mm-hmm. it still had some of that Nashville flavor. It had a Gibson store, and it had, you know, Nashville. That it had a lot of that. And then, as soon as the flood hit and it all was underwater, yeah, they totally nuked it. Right. Now it's just any other mall in the country. Uh, no, it's, it's just worse than that because it's got flag stores and Nashville tchotchke stores and stuff that you just don't really have any business being open. Yeah, moonshine stores. Yeah. Who, who doesn't want to go to Bass Pro, buy a gun, and walk down the road and buy a bag of moon? And they got that... St- okay, folks. While you're smelling Cinnabon. All right, folks. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a, a, a great piece of advice for coming to Nashville. If you see the boot store that says, buy one pair, get two free... Those are gonna be crappy boots. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna they're they're gonna have notices like "Don't expose to dust or water." Right. And uh, they're gonna try to sell you some sort of a treatment system to go with it that involves encasing them in concrete. And just trust me, when you come to Nashville, don't go to the buy one get two pair free boot store. You're on not the strip. Go- you can't. Well, there's one in the mall. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And. You can't think that's that, that those are good boots. You well, can't. And we're going to talk about it later in the show as well. If a deal is too good to be true, it probably is. It truly is. So, but back to the back to the Wabash Cannon of all. I do applaud Crown Heads because that's a deep pull. That's a deep pull for Nashville. Is that I've actually still seen some of the Tin Lizzie cars. They still pop up on Craigslist for sale every now and then. Oh, I would love to have one of those. And uh, they had a Tin Lizzie, which was these old cars you got into, and it was on a track and it moved uh, one eighth of a mile an hour. Yeah. And it took you about six hours to circumvent the park riding one. But it was great for the kids because you got to drive and you actually controlled it with the gas and the steering and everything. Yeah, you could you could go from stop reverse to point oh eight <laughs> miles an hour. So if, if the kids needed a nap and were getting a little grouchy, you throw them in a tin Lizzie. I also really love the band on this. You know, I think they did a really good job kind of throwback style. And I will tell you, sitting here smoking this four kicks Kappa. I'm enjoying it. I like it. I do too. I like it. I like the flavor. I like, the... don't beat your head against the microphone tray just because I said <laughs> I like the cigar. Um, the Sumatra's done well. The Sumatra's a little stiff. But I'm hoping it mellows with a little age because these are these just hit the shelves this week. I right. think these are right off the factory floor. So Sumatra still just got a little bit of bite. Yeah, but not so much that it's overpowered. Like it could be much worse. Right, it definitely could be. So very happy with this cigar thus far. I'll be interested to see how it develops the second one. Now that we have spoken of your Wabash Cannonball, can we take a break and then come back with my coronavirus complaints? <laughs> sure. We'll be back with that and more after this. Trey here with this week's Cigar Under 8. I want to talk about a line that we don't talk about a whole lot on the show, but we have had some of the principles from the company on the show. This is a new one from Aladino that came out this year. This is the Cameroon. So 
It's Corojo binder and filler from Honduras and a Cameroon seed wrapper um, from the Arroyo Farm, Eroa Farms. You know, we were talking last week about the Cuban sandwich and about working man's food. This is working man's cigar. This is just a great, um, it's not pretentious, it's not overbearing, but it's still good. Yeah. And all, it does the job every time. We really don't. I don't smoke enough Aladino. It really is a great cigar line. You talked at the top of the show about how Sumatra is one of those things that can be a little bit finicky. Cameroon is that for me as well. And this is a cigar that if you if you want to give Cameroon a try, and this is a great place to start. The Lonsdale, which is a six by forty three, is seven eighty. Um, the Robusto breaks our rule a little bit at eight eighty for the five by fifty, but still a great cigar for the money. Yeah, I absolutely can't recommend it enough. Until next week, try the Aladino. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who's more of a Vespa than a Harley, Mr. Trey Denman. Hey, still get you where you need to go. See, that's exactly the same kind of thing a Vespa guy would say. <laughs> and all, there's, it's just that's you could not have followed that. We didn't practice that, but he could not have made my point any better, folks. I rest my case. <laughs> I don't take it as an admonishment. You should. No, wouldn't you rather be a Harley than a mini scooter? That's half electric. Both. It's not half electric. They both have their place. Well, it's got like a gerbil and a wheel in there, don't it? You have to stop and feed the gerbil no, every so often. they have 250cc motors in some of them. Okay, that's what? A Coca-Cola? I don't know the metric system. <laughs> Was that an 8-ounce can of Coke? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's about the same size as kind of your, your Supercross bikes. Okay, but uh, Harley. Just See, it's measured in horsepower, not cc's. Horses. That's not true. They are measured in CCs. All motorcycles are measured in CCs. Let me tell you something. Pick an ad at the random. The Sportster on- 886 is an 886 cc engine. The Sportster 1200. But when we go down here, they're not going to sell it to you that way. They're going to say, this is 2,463 horsepower. One of them has five legs. And that's how they're going to sell you a Harley. They're not going to sell you based on CCs. But... Anyway, but no, I've been a Harley guy. I don't want no. Some some things in in life are just more fun. Okay, we're going so we're gonna do this article, and the main reason I'm in such a hurry to do this article is because the top ad says pics conjoined twins, and it's freaking me out. Oh, so mine doesn't to, show that. So I need to get this article off of my my iPad. At all, but that <laughs> freaky picture on the top has been scaring at me. Oh, and you it's because me- I run an ad blocker. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, bars not, from Channel 12 News in Palm Beach. Bars, nightclubs, cigars, lounges, and more left waiting in Palm Beach Phase 2 plan. So, okay, here's what we can open. We can open bowling alleys. We can open movie theaters. We can open escape rooms. Okay. What's more dangerous than a room you can't leave <laughs> to put an infectious <laughs> disease in? Not not even that. You've missed over the most important part of that, which is that do you know what you do in an escape room? You touch literally everything to exactly. try and figure out what the clues are going to be. 
Exactly. That's, that's the one that, you know, when it comes to bowling alleys and movies, movie theaters, I actually have an argument for why that is. Okay. B- Tell but, me why. But bowl- not with escape escape rooms. That's the one where I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. So you tell me why a bowling alley, all of us stand around holding each other's balls, is better than a bar. Because you typically only touch your ball, or at least the ones of the people that you are sitting with. Ideally, in this scenario, you're going to a bowling alley with people you know. So these are people that you wouldn't feel necessary to social distance around anyway. I mean the same people I'd take to a bar. Yeah, but at the bar, you've got... So the bowling alley self-secludes you from other people. It also doesn't say here, but I've seen this in other areas, where they actually are limiting you to every other lane. And so they're doing it... so Because you know how it's usually that U-shape, and you've got one side, and some other group has the other. They're basically doing it to separate people. Um, and, and then the balls are made out of a polyurethane that is easily disinfected. You know, the shoes, they've been disinfecting those since the Nixon administration, and they're the same shoes also. <laughs> That's true. The buildup of shoe disinfectant on the walls is like an inch and a half thick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've, they're just going to use that to spray you when you walk in. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to hit you with the clown shoes, <laughs> clown shoe spray, and you'll be in good shape. Exactly. Um, but no, you do stay pretty secluded at a bowling alley with just your little group. Um, and with a movie theater... You know, as long as you space out seating, which they all do that pre-selected crappy seating thing now right, anyway. the reason I hadn't been to a movie theater in a year. S- same. Um, so it's easy enough to space people out. Like, those two things I get. Um, there are ways to make them safer than you make bars. You know, they have tried to reopen Nashville twice since all of this began. And it lasted exactly 24 hours each time. Because people end up crammed wall-to-wall, shoulder-to-shoulder with people you don't know. Touching God knows everything, using a lot of cash, which we already know is the dirtiest thing you touch, second only to your cell phone in a day. Um, My cell phone ain't dirty. <laughs> you'd be surprised. You want me to? You want me to put a swab test on it? Yes, please do. <laughs> I know. I know. In your current level of concern, you carry one of those in your back pocket at all times. You got CDC on speed dial too. Actually, in a in a in a previous or not too long ago, I actually did carry swabs and a tester with me at all times, but that was for a different purpose. Yeah, that was the. You might could find mold on my phone, but I don't think you'll find any viral and all. But I'm just saying. Okay, if they're going to open the escape room. Which is employing what? One and a half? Well, it also, it, it begs that question, that, that economic question of, okay, if you open an escape room, and yeah, they employ maybe three people a day, you know, or it's the same, they probably, three people total, you know, working there a day. You have to shut down the room for longer than it took them to escape from it to be able to disinfect everything that they touched. So is it really worth opening up at half capacity? Well, now granted, I'm biased because I would never go to an escape room for any reason. I don't I'm a puzzle guy though. So I kind of get it. So sit at home and work a puzzle. Don't be taking up valuable real estate that could be used for something useful. <laughs> it does make me wonder how much those things make because if you notice they're is usually one in a fairly good location in in cities where they exist. And then there's several in lesser locations. But in order to operate one of those in prime real estate in any city, they must be making a crap ton of money. It's got to be just people that want to torture people like me. 
and all they're like okay the best way to do so if we really want to get a Shane he don't really care about much nothing really affects Shane he kind of washes it off like water off a duck's back but we know his weakness if we could get his wife into one of these escape rooms not that she would enjoy it she would bring him so that she didn't have to suffer it alone and uh, I really I really think this is an elaborate scam to torture me all right someone out there get engaged have your wedding in an escape room and invite Shane and Glenda. Yeah, just just shoot that, me. That, <laughs> that would be your version of hell on earth. Is there a second experience where I can get a, a pipe cleaner up the urethra? I mean, is oh. there something slightly oh, you less took painful? That somewhere horrible. <laughs> I mean, is there something slightly? So let's talk. Let's talk about a good all American crime rather than the harassment of Shane. Huh? Bugatti Group suffers burglary. I, I do want to circle back real quick, just to, to put a, a final point on that. I also don't necessarily agree with putting cigar lounges and bars in the same... I, I think cigar lounges should be included in what's opening, not lumped in with the bars that are staying closed. I can agree with that. Okay. I can definitely agree with that. Bugatti Group AG suffered a break-in at its headquarters in Sunrise, Florida. So they said the thieves stole thousands of Bugatti torch lighters and ball sliders and 27,000 cans of butane in various sizes. I just imagine the uh, Italian job, the remake, you know, where they're, they're measuring the trucks going out and one of them's riding low. Because, you know, thousands of lighters and 27,000 cans of butane, it, you don't just walk out with that in your hands. Well, but, okay, is it butane lighter than air? No. Butane's not lighter than air. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then that. That's ruin- why you get airlock in your lighters. Okay, well that that ruins my ideal then that that would actually not be settling because of the amount of butane. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so they're saying we're reaching out to our retailers, an eye out for somebody sales offers of Bugatti products at discounted prices. These may be stolen goods. Again, if a deal is too good, it is. Why would you steal a Bugatti? I know. Of all the lighter lines to steal I from. Mean, okay, so... To, you would have to give it away at a discount to get someone to buy it. To steal this volume of lighters and butane, there's some planning involved. If for nothing else, just the handling of the materials. Yeah. 27,000 of anything is a lot. Right. I don't know what that is, metrics, but 27,000 of anything is a lot. Well, there's 750 <laughs> milliliters per can, so. Okay, you do the math at home. But to do that, so why don't go to all the, this? I'm, I think I'm exactly where I think you were on the front end. You made it in jest, but I think it's true. I'm smelling insurance scam. Yeah, I, I did. I said the only reason you do something like this is if the insurance just renewed. Uh, you know, I was definitely being tongue-in-cheek, but you, yeah, it would almost have to be an inside job because let, let's say you've got, you've, you've got some form of security. On this building. Well, and obviously we're not spending a lot of money in security at the Bugatti factory because who would steal? No, but you've got some security. The amount of time it would take to load up thousands of lighters, you know, you got to fire up the forklift and without arising suspicion. Like, so- I'm picturing the worst remake of Smokey and the Bandit ever. <laughs> we can't get Bugattis in Portland. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Grab the forklift. Hide yeah. them in Coors bottles. That's right. Um... Uh, I'm just I'm just kind of picturing the worst remake ever. Yeah, I will be interested to see how this 
you know, I, I doubt any more information will come to light, but it would be interesting just to kind of keep my ear out to see if something materializes out of this. Okay, so now can we talk about the topic that I've wanted to talk about the whole show? Yes. Well, I saved it for last because inevitably we're going to spend 15 minutes on it, so I wanted us to not run up against anything else. So, have you you find yourself crawling down these weird rabbit holes on Pinterest, on YouTube, online. You always find yourself in these weird rabbit holes. You mean like the Guardian.ng? Yes, this, and this is one of my favorite rabbit holes to crawl down, is forbidden places in the world. Literally? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, of course, forbidden rabbit holes, <laughs> and all, because there's there's some really funny, cool things here. Um, how you know how a place becomes forbidden to tourists? You know, you know, there's the obvious ones, the Area 51s and right. things like that. Okay, there. Yeah, I don't want to be a tourist and wander around there. And all, now the catacombs in France, I think those should be open because I think it'd be cool to be able to go wander through. But only por- portions of them are open. Well, and I've been in the catacombs in Italy. And it's, it's one of those things that's interesting because of the history behind it. You know, you, it's one of those things you definitely want to preserve it because it is a place of burial. But, you know, and for, from a reverence point of view, but at the same time, it's important to history to be able to kind of study and experience these things. Well, two of my favorite happen to be the first. This is from TheGuardian.ng. And the article is entitled, Five Forbidden Places You're Not Allowed to Visit. It's a little redundant. North Sentinel Island, island off of the is one of the Andaman Islands in the Bay of Bengal. So I could read the article, but I'm going to summarize it for you. So this is a completely untouched primitive tribe. Mm-hmm. The reason they're untouched is because they kill anybody that the sets tri- foot on. You know, last uh, last year or not two years ago in 2014 years ago, two fishermen <laughs> um, wandered too close to their island and they just killed them. Yeah. So, can you imagine what that culture's like? Well, and two years ago, um, the I actually remember when this hit the news, a U.S. missionary tried to, you know, make landfall to preach Christianity to the tribe, and they killed him, too. Yeah, so so they have a zero-tolerance policy, uh, the truest definition of zero-tolerance policy. And it's so funny, too, because obviously they're not going to understand viruses and, and the things that outsiders can bring them in terms of, you know, unless maybe at some point in, you know, 1218, you know, smallpox wa- wiped out half of their colony and they said, that's it, no more. So is it my inner megalomaniac that wants to capture one of these dudes and study their system? That long without any without any any influence, would you not love to see what's in there? From an anthropological study standpoint, absolutely. I would love to know what their hierarchy is like, what their civilization structure is. I would absolutely. Um, and I think it's interesting, too, and I wonder if this is causation or correlation. The island itself um, has no natural ports and ha- and is guarded on all sides by a barrier reef. So it's not exactly easy to get onto the island to begin with, much less, you know, so I wonder if they were like, well, we're kind of stuck here, so we're just going to... Or is this a Wakanda situation? Do you get there and they've like got super advanced technology and holograms? That would be amazing. (laughs) I don't know. That's just interesting. Now, that's one... So that's one technique for keeping your island free of pesky settlers. The other one, Snake Island. This is my other favorite one. 
The infamous island off the coast of Brazil is Ilha de Quasirmana Grande. I pronounced that exactly right. The island is thought to have a population of 430,000 snakes. That's Gold- one snake for every square meter. Yeah, so one snake every three foot. Yeah. Golden lancehead pit vipers, one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. So that's one. Okay, so here's my question. What are the snakes eating? Each what other. Do, what do 430,000 snakes eat? <laughs> well, I'm sure there are. Well, and that's one of the things, you know, it says that even though, you know, that that recent estimates over the snake numbers are actually lower than that 430, but that was as high as the guy could count before he got eaten by snakes the last time they <laughs> let him on the island. Before he said, hey, this ain't worth 12 bucks an hour, Jack. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, but the the reason that it's close to the public is to is to not only protect people from getting eaten by snakes, but also to protect the snakes from the people. Um, I think we could do without golden lance head pit vipers. I'm just telling you. But it does make me wonder, you know, I don't know what all species of snakes are on the island. I'm sure some of them are amphibious and probably eat fish and crabs and other things that come up out of the water. Um, Probably birds, too. Well, most islands have rats, and rats are going to breed no matter what. Exactly. You know, a lot of these... (laughs) Could you imagine... Wow, that looks like a great island out there, Long John. Why has no one buried treasure on it before? (laughs) (laughs) And all the dude with the two peg legs is the only one safe. (laughs) Snakes keep going, thunk, 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 (laughs) thunk. But I'm just saying, that's, that's another technique. Now, I actually... Am less curious about Snake Island than I am about the uh, the North Sentinel Island. <laughs> I'm definitely less curious. As, I don't care what's going on on Snake Island. I have no desire to right. know what's going on on Snake Island. Well, I'll let those snakes do what snakes do. The thing that actually intrigued me the most on this list was the Svalbard, the Global Seed Vault, and I'm sure you would have picked me to choose that one. This ha- is just waiting to have a Bond film written about it. Oh, definitely. The idea is in one of the northernmost isolated islands in Nor- Norway, and essentially it's a giant bank. Um, they've it's it's a seed bank, but essentially it operates like a safety deposit box, and so anybody can put anything they want. The bank owns the building, and the depositor owns the contents of his or her box. Okay, so let's say you just became a member of the Norwegian Foreign Legion, and this is your assignment. Hey, we need you to guard the seed vault. (laughs) But think about it from, like, and this is why I say it's ripe for a Bond film, right? Imagine, so the idea behind this is let's say some massive, you know, uh, virus, insect, whatever it is, wipes out the entirety of the cotton crop in the U.S., And just, and so, and because of, it's a DNA mutating, whatever, pathogen, so you can't even use the seeds left over from this crop. It'll, it's, the earth will be salted, essentially. Well, so you go to Svalbard, Svalbard, and you pick up from, you know, 1807, an actual, you know, the the lifeblood of cotton left on the planet, and you repopulate, so... From an ecological terrorism standpoint? So you're saying our, our Bond villain has a bank here. He fills it full of cotton seed, and he creates a genetic disease that kills all the other cotton in the world. Yeah. And or all, or and better yet, he puts a bomb in his box here, 
and basically says, I'm going to wipe out all the vegetation on the earth and I'm going to go live with the fishes and you guys have fun unless you pay me $75 billion or whatever it is. I wonder what a box rents for. I would be interested to know. I would love to know what a box. I'm sure you have to be a member of a government agency or something to even get the opportunity to, to have one of these. But I'm sure oh. you and I are not walking in and making a deposit. I, I'm, I'm sure there's channels. I'm sure there's channels that must be followed. And We know enough people. We could probably get. Yeah. The, I, I guarantee you there's some great tobacco seed in there, wouldn't you? Because there's got to be authentic, real authentic Cuban seed. So if we ever launch a cigar brand, this is it's going to be called the Svalbard. And it's going to be we went straight to the vault and got the first Cuban seed that Manuel Loriega Montibalana had planted in 1832, and we found it in his private box, and that's where these cigars have come from. Limited production, $2,000 a stick. <laughs> I, th- I think we're in. I, I think, think th- so. And maybe I am a Bond villain in another life. <laughs> You're a Bond villain in this life. What are you talking about? <laughs> Could, entirely possible. So have you ever had the opportunity to go into a place like this, like a, a forbidden place, or have you ever, um, you know, off, off-limits territory? Do you get the opportunity to explore those? No, I've I've been places where other people haven't been before. You know, I've been in caves and things like that. And um, in my younger days, we spent quite a bit of time. There was always the legend that there was Confederate gold hidden on the Duck River before the Battle of Spring Hill and that everybody that knew where it was died. And so that somewhere along the Duck River, there's a cache of gold. And I actually had a, have you ever seen a map dowser? No. This This is an information field show. So a map dowser is it's a treasure hunting thing. So you send him a map, and he runs his hands or sometimes their foot. I don't want to know what other pieces of anatomy. Over the map, and he'll fill a hot spot where something, where there's a treasure, where something is buried. And an old architect that taught me most of what I know was actually had a lot of these old maps that these map dowsers that he had sent off they said, okay, this, and one cave he went into, they said, this actually has clay jars, and they have mud balls, and in the mud balls is Indian jewelry, and all, and he found the cave, and he couldn't get into it because it was flooded, and there was red cedar in front of it, which doesn't rot, mm-hmm. and all, but it's a, it's a really funny, cool little, it's, it's a cool little segment of the populace that's out there, Yeah, and all, now, another article on this same subject from far and wide, does that meet your critical acclaim i don't have this one. Oh, i, I put oh, both I links it. on there i thought it was one link lascaux cave in france this is where the original cave paintings are and they don't want people in there I rubbing can... out pictures of the deer and I'll, i don't like that photo that looks like that island we were looking at oh <laughs> that you're... island off the brazil no keep going keep going down that is the island off brazil keep going down oh, okay <laughs> look at the pictures of the deer they're painted so 2000 up to 20,000 year old paintings plaster the wall of this cave and it says they're hauntingly vivid well they did not take an ex- a very hauntingly vivid picture <laughs> i don't know i all things considered i can see what they're they're not they're not primitive if you or i tried to draw a picture of a deer on a cave wall it would look just like that i i think that's what they're intending i don't know i've seen a lot of deer I've certainly seen a lot of deer in my time. I think I could do better than the than the twenty thousand year old. And then the other one that I want to hit, I don't want to 
keep droning on about this, but it is super interesting to me. Bohemian Grove, United States. Now, this is where Forbidden Place and Conspiracy Theory meets. And a 2,700-acre campground in Monte Rio, California. Each July, it hosts a two-week baccalarian blowout for VIPs from around the world. So this sounds like this is starting to sound very Epstein-like. <laughs> and so this is presidents, this is heads of state, this is world leaders, this is super rich guys with nothing better to do. What kind of cigars are smoked? There? Oh yeah, there's got to be some great stuff, great cigars smoked there. Can you imagine? And uh, I mean, what? Okay, if you let's let's say you got the nod. All right. And um, through through connections, okay, we can't get you seeds in the vault, but we can get you into Bohemian Grove. What cigar would you bring? Because there's a couple of different ways you can go with this. You know, on one hand, you know, so to me, the guy that's ridiculed here is the guy that whips out the Cuban. Yeah. Because, like, okay, you didn't even try. Right. You you brought what you thought would be impressive. Right. You Yeah, you, you, you brought the stereotype. Yeah. And all. So what do you, what cigar do you bring? And I'm, I'm obviously you've got to bring a box. Yeah. And I'll probably a couple of boxes. I don't know, BBMFs? That's not a bad, that, so that's a super rare. Super hard to get, and I'll. That's not a bad choice. And I'll BBMF. The problem is, then I'd have to smoke BBMFs, and I like the BBMF, but it's. And that's not a cigar you can smoke a whole lot of. I just think Padron. I think you get a box of the Padron 50th anniversary, the really nice ivory inlaid box. You know they're going to be good every time. They're half Maduro, half Connecticut. Yeah. So everybody can get their fair shake. You know, That's a good call. Uh, we're assuming we're rich enough to go to Bohemian Grove so that the price of the cigars is exactly. not, a pro- not a problem. But I think that I think you go Padron. I, I don't. I think even world leaders could not deny the beauty of a Padron. No, I would agree with that absolutely. And all, uh, but the, so these ultra rich guys meet the saying: "Weaving spiders come not here," which means there's no business wheeling and dealing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, but then two sentences later, they say that there's a there are rumors that uh, the Manhattan Project was planned there. So, it, it, <laughs> yeah, that's a nice piece of business there, the Manhattan. Exactly. Hey, we we need somewhere in Tennessee in Appalachia that nobody will notice. Uh, we're in Bohemian Grove, Oak Grove, <laughs> yeah, Oak Ridge, Oak Ridge. Okay, yeah. Well, I was thinking it was Oak Grove at that time. Okay. They renamed it Oak Ridge. <laughs> But um, and they put in a toll booth so that Headley Lamar wouldn't make it over there. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody gotta go get back and get nickels. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think that's interesting. I, that to me, um, now I could get down with that. Yeah, I could get down with that. I mean, now what do you wear? Are you allowed to bring a gentleman, a manservant? Because I, I would assume if you're that rich, you got a gentleman's gentleman. I don't, but that's a little passe at this point these days. I mean, I know it still happens, but it is a little passe. I'd be, I'd be curious. I wonder if it's, but I would, I would venture to guess that that's probably not the way this is intended to be set up. But it's kind of every man for himself. And also, what is it with secret societies that love to phrase things? Weaving spiders come not here. Just why do you have to be? <laughs> they all sound like they were started by Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hey, fellas, let's not talk business. In, in case we're, yeah, exactly. Just don't talk business or, or you don't come back. 
Well, the main encampment area consists of 160 acres of old-growth redwood trees, 1,000 years old and over 300 foot tall. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. And Those I'm, redwoods are so impressive. I've, I've still never been able to see Muir Woods in person, but I, I definitely want to. But the, just even some of the pictures you see just don't do it justice. But, okay, enough about forbidden places. I think it's time we pronounce judgment on the four kicks. Um, do you want to go first or shall I? I'll let you. I'm curious. I give it a five and a half. It's good. And it's good compared to all other crowned heads. Compared to cigars as a whole, I don't know that I give it. You know, I'm not going to be rushing in there to buy a box. Right. And it and at $12 a stick, it's not it's not expensive, but it's also not everyday smoke quality or, you know, price point. I could get palate fatigue on this cigar pretty easy. I'm sure I could too. Um, and that's, you know, that's my biggest complaint with Crown Heads is that, you know, I have cigars like the like the Charter Oak that I can smoke every day and I have smoked one of those every day for the last 2 years. And and have not gotten fatigued on it yet. Crowned heads, I do tend to get a little bit of palate fatigue with. Yeah, and but I'm, I will say it's a very good cigar. I would recommend everybody try one. I was going to go five and three quarters. Okay. So I was right there. We were right there together. I almost went five and three quarters, but I reeled it back to five and a half just because of the the vast comparison. You know, if if I thought this was a, if it was about two dollars cheaper, or I thought that I could smoke it every day without ever getting tired of it, it would have gone full six. And it may be worth procuring one and letting it age for a year or two and revisiting it. Knowing this shop, you don't even have to do that. Just buy it in a year. <laughs> just buy it in a year or two when they're still sitting here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> put, That's nothing know, against these, the shop. It's just not a huge... It's not the crowned head shop that it once was. Well, and these are... Um, they're limited... Aren't they limited edition? Uh-huh. They're not a regular production, so... But crowned heads, Kappa, I'll give it a five and a half. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? Yeah, I want to say it's 5,000 boxes of this that were made. They can get a hold of us via email at info at thecigarcast.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast, and you can catch us on Facebook slash thecigarcast. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.